Возлюбленная Богом Церковь, начиная наше богослужение пред Господом, встанем, пожалуйста, и утвердим обетование, относящееся к предверию нашей надежды. Да воцарится воскресение Христова в наших телах. Склоним наши головы в молитве. Дорогой Небесный Отец, во имя Иисуса Христа, мы благодарны имени Твоему Святому за вновь представленную привилегию быть на месте всем, которое я очертила десница Твоя для поклонения святому имени Твоему. И ныне позволь наследию Твоему во имя крови завета подняться на вершины для нас недосягаемые и сокрушить всякое бремя и запинающий нас грех. Да будут прокляты в этом служении, как и прежде, все дела дьявола, болезни, нищета, преждевременная смерть, демоническая зависимость, всевозможные страхи, депрессии, разрушение, косность, невежество – все это да отступит от шатров святого народа Твоего. И ныне встань, Господи, на место покоя Твоего Ты и ковчег, могущество Твоего, и да облекутся святые Твои спасением Твоим, и да возрадуются пред лицом Твоим. Дай нам больше от Духа Твоего. Пропитай нас Духом Твоим святым. Позволь нам найти светлое лицо Твое. Я представляю это служение в Твои божественные руки, веди его рукою превознесенную, великий Бог, Отец и Дух Святой. Аминь. Да благословит вас Господь, можете садиться.
our inheritance in Christ Jesus that is presented in the word of God. These are the thoughts of God that are encoded by him that he reveals only to those who tremble before his word, who desire to study his essence. And so the unchanging epigraph in the study of the word of God, Luke 24, 44, then he said to them, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the Law of Moses and the Prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And so, so that we as members of the body of Christ divide with Christ all that was written about him in Scripture, we will continue our study in the direction of our cooperation with the Holy Spirit and that in what we must do on our end so that we receive the right to set aside our former way of life to be clothed in a new way of life. Ephesians 4, 22 24 that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts and be renewed by in the spirit of your mind 
and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness, so to be clothed in the resurrection of Christ, to be clothed in the glory of God in healing. And for the fulfillment of this commandment, there are three basic commands and verbs. These are to set aside, to renew, and to clothe. To confirm this commandment, we will refer to one more place of Scripture in which the author provides an analogy for the truth that calls us to set aside our former way of life and its works so that we could be clothed in the new man who has the ability to be renewed in knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. Colossians 3, 8-11. But now you, you yourselves are to put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. So here he is describing the sinful nature. This is a portrait of the sinful nature. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds, to have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. We have noted that answering these fateful questions will affect whether we turn ourselves into vessels of mercy or vessels of wrath, or rather, will we perfect the salvation that is given to us in the format of a deposit, or will we waste it? Because of which our names would be forever blotted out of the book of life. In a certain format, we have already examined the first two questions and have stopped to examine the question, what conditions must we fulfill so that through our renewed thinking we could begin the process of clothing ourselves into the powers of our new man who is created by God in Christ Jesus in the righteousness and holiness of truth? In regards to clothing ourselves into our new man, we came to the conclusion that we need God's help in the subject of His mercy, because God's mercy is the unique power of God that yields the essence of God and the inheritance of man out of the seed of the word of truth, created for man who was born by the seed of the word of truth. The means for accepting this kind of help expressed in the inheritance of God's mercies is the weapon of prayer and worship. Because prayer is simply the right that man gives the heavens to interfere here on earth. And we are called to give God this right only on His established conditions. And this kind of right that brings the justice of God into action can be obtained by us only under the conditions established by God in which we, because of our dedication to God, are called to coincide with the inner states of God. One of the David's prayers written in the 143rd Psalm where he gives God the right to interfere in his life, his mercy and truth will be an example for us of our inheritance. It has become the subject of our study. And so, Psalm 143. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my supplications. In your faithfulness, answer me, and in your righteousness. Do not enter into judgment with your servant, for in your sight no one living is righteous. For the enemy has persecuted my soul. He has crushed my life to the ground. He has made me dwell in darkness, like those who have long been dead. 
And this enemy is our sinful nature that is corrupt with its desires. Therefore, my spirit is overwhelmed within me. My heart within me is distressed. I remember the days of the old. I meditate on all your works. I muse on the work of your hands. I spread out my hands to you. My soul longs for you like a thirsty land. Answer me speedily, O Lord. My spirit fails. Do not hide your face from me, lest I be like those who go down into the pit. Cause me to hear your loving kindness in the morning, for in you do I trust. Cause me to know the way in which I should walk, for I lift my, up my soul to you. Deliver me, O Lord, from my enemies. In you I take shelter. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Your spirit is good. Lead me in the land of uprightness. Revive me, O Lord, for your name's sake. For your righteousness' sake, bring my soul out of trouble. In your mercy, cut off my enemies and destroy all those who afflict my soul, for I am your servant. He, in this case, is praying according to the will of God. That's why this is not his desire so that the Lord can destroy all those who afflict his soul. This is the desire of God. This is the will of God, and this is the commandment of God. And so to be heard by God, it was necessary for David to represent to God a foundation or a right that could serve for God as proof that he can interfere in David's life with his mercy and truth. And from David's perspective, this kind of proof in this prayer contained ten different arguments that David brought to God, saying, Hear me because of your righteousness and truth. Hear me because I remember the days of the old and all of your works that I carry in my heart. Hear me because I spread out my hands to you. Hear me because I lift my soul up to you. Hear me because I trust in you. Hear me, for I run to you. Hear me, because you are my God. Hear me for your name. Hear me for your mercy. And hear me, because I am your servant. In the previous sermon, we have already examined the nature of the first argument that gave God the legal right to stand on David's behalf to help him withstand his enemies. We have stopped to study the second argument, evidence brought by David in prayer that showed that he remembered the days of the old and all the works of God in these days, written on the tablets of his heart. And this is a unique argument, I would say. An image of this evidence is presented in the breastplate of judgment of the high priest, which was a standard for a constant memorial before God containing the standard of a constant prayer. And we know that this breastplate of judgment was made for and served only one object, Urim and Thummim, the presence of which allowed God to hear man and allowed man to hear God. There was certainly a physical, on, physically, Thummim and Urim was on the breastplate of judgment, but we are referring to our heart. 
in which the presence of Urim and Thummim is necessary. Otherwise, we will not be able to communicate with God nor worship Him. And so, to be heard by God in the revelations of His Urim, it was necessary to maintain a remembrance of the works of God in the subject of His Thummim, which God had made in the days of the old. Answering the question, what is the purpose is what purpose is the breastplate of judgment called to fulfill between God and His redeemed child? The breastplate of judgment as a subject of a continual memorial before God, we came to the conclusion that a breastplate of judgment as the subject of a continual prayer before God is a sacred image of the format of a continual prayer. And so, a prayer that does not meet the requirements and characteristics of a breastplate of judgment does not have the right to be called a prayer. Because only the format of a constant prayer presented in the breastplate of judgment of the high priest gives us the right to enter the sanctuary as kings and priests unto God, who are called to represent the interests of the judgments of God according to those commandments and statutes that defy the teaching of Jesus Christ who came in the flesh, in the twelve pearly gates and twelve names of the sons of Jacob engraved on these gates. We cannot this is how Apostle Paul had described the nature of the breastplate of judgment, which represented an image of a continual prayer. Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Colossians 4.2 We have noted that continuity in prayer is defined by a burning lamp that defines the state of the righteous heart of man. Proverbs 13.9 The light of the righteous rejoices, but the lamp of the wicked will be put out. The order of the makeup of the breastplate of judgment contains conditions that true worshippers of God, whom God searches for himself, are supposed to have. But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. John 4:23-24. Violating the order of the breastplate of judgment, which yields the state and nature of a worshiper of God, results in the breastplate of judgment losing its nature and its purpose. Worshiping the Father in spirit and truth is to not damage the truth in the pursuit of goals that are set by God in Scripture that many did before and many continue to do due to their ignorance or their hypocrisy or their jealousy. We know that in the Septuagint, the breastplate of judgment is called a sign of justice because through Urim and Thummim that were contained in the breastplate of judgment, God could tell man his judgment. The image of the breastplate of judgment finds its expression in the conscience of man that is cleansed from dead works, on the tablets of which, as well as the seal, is the teaching of Jesus Christ who came in the flesh. Because a conscience clothes and in the conscience we hear the voice of God either justifying us or judging us under the condition that we carry the teaching of Jesus Christ who came in the flesh. In this manner, a conscience that is cleansed from dead works with a seal on the tablets of truth and rightness will yield the nature of true worshippers who will give God the right to act in them and through them on planet Earth. 
And God searches for these kind of worshippers for himself. In a certain format, we have already looked at the measurements and material out of which the breastplate of judgment was to be made. And we have stopped to look at the next condition, which states, And you shall put settings of stones in it, four rows of stones. The first row shall be a sardius, a topaz, and an emerald. This shall be the first row. The second row shall be a carbuncle, a sapphire, and a diamond. The third row, a jacinth, an agate, and an amethyst. In the fourth row, a chrysolite, an onyx, and a jasper. They shall be set in gold settings. Each of the precious stones with engravings of the name represented a certain name of God for the Israelites. The stone shall have the names of the sons of Israel, twelve according to their names, like the engravings of a signet, each one with its own name, they shall be according to the twelve tribes. Exodus 28, 17-21. We have noted that twelve gold settings on the breastplate of judgment is an image of the living truth that abides on the tablets of our heart and yields the word of God that comes from the mouth of God. These twelve golden settings yield the teaching of Jesus Christ, who came in the flesh, which, as the worshippers of God, are called to represent in our continual prayer. The twelve precious stones with the engravings of markings of the twelve names of the sons of Israel is an image and format of our prayer, continual prayer, that represent the perfect judgments of God. From this we can conclude that the golden settings in the subject of the truth of God are engraved to fit the stones, so that not the golden settings, but rather the stones in the subject of our prayers are engraved to fit the measurements and configurations of the golden settings of truth. Our prayer is supposed to be engraved so perfect that it's supposed to completely fit in the golden setting of the will of God, supposed to fulfill and represent the will of God and its interests. Continual prayer is first and foremost an unceasing prayer that finds its expression in trust in God, in which a person representing the interests of God in his intercessory does not step away from the goal until he receives what he has asked for. And he can the makeup of the breastplate of judgment expresses itself, as we know, not only in the measurements, but also the means that define the core of a continual prayer that is necessary to contain the goal that is set by God in the makeup of the kingdom of heaven that is represented in the tree of life in our heart, that brings its fruit twelve times. Growing the tree of life in our heart is building ourselves into the new man created by God in righteousness and holiness of truth into a spiritual dwelling, a holy place. We have noted that all of the grandeur and order of the temple was made for one holy object, and it served only one holy object, the golden ark of the covenant, where God abided. The same way the ephod of the high priest with the breastplate of judgment was created and served only one holy object, which was called to exactly double and fulfill the functions of the golden ark. This was Urim and Thummim. So Urim and Thummim. So God had abided in the subject of this Urim and Thummim on the breastplate of judgment. Because the golden ark of the covenant and the breastplate of judgment figuratively represented the conscience of a person that has been cleansed from dead works. 
Orimentumim in Hebrew means light and perfection, light and right, or revelation and truth. For example, the Decalogue placed inside of the Ark of the Covenant was truth. It represented Jesus Christ because he is the Word of God. It was the truth. And this truth was presented on the breastplate of judgment as Thumim. Whereas the revelation that a person could receive under the lid of the Ark of the Covenant was presented in the breastplate of judgment as Urim. Therefore, a worshiper of God can only be a person who has a conscience that has been cleansed from dead works or has a wise heart on the tablets of which is sealed truth in the subject of Thumim. Because of this, the revelation of God in the subject Orim could exist only in the boundaries of truth that are represented by Thumim in the teaching of Jesus Christ, who came in the flesh. As it is written, and I have put wisdom in the hearts of all the gifted artisans, that they may make all that I have commanded you. Exodus 31, 6. In a wise heart is placed the wisdom of God. Basically, this is referring to a property of wisdom that is contained in Thumim and Arim and the fact that the carriers of Thumim and Arim are worshippers of God and have the immune system of the Holy Spirit. The most important and the most dangerous is that they have the immunity. Holy Spirit. That's why everyone who raises their voices on them or mocks them or says that they cannot defend themselves, how can the Holy Spirit not defend himself? He does not have the means to protect himself. He can protect the interests of God, our interests, but he cannot, but he cannot defend himself. This, is, this was the priority of God. And of Levi, he said, Let your Thumim and your Urim be with your Holy One, whom you tested at Massah, and with whom you contended at the waters of Meribah, who says of his father and mother, I have not seen them, nor did he acknowledge his brothers, or know his own children, for they have observed your word, and he kept your covenant. They shall teach Jacob your judgments and Israel your law. They shall put incense before you and a whole burnt sacrifice on your altar. Bless his substance, Lord, and accept the work of his hands. Strike the loins of those who rise against him and of those who hate him, that they rise not again. Deuteronomy 33, 8-11. This kind of blessing, this is what Moses, the man of God, had blessed the Levites with. Levi, each person who is led by the Spirit of God, who is the carrier of Urim and Thumim. We have noted that the future of people who say that they belong to God's chosen nation but they are against the carriers of Thumim and Urim and hate them because they themselves lack Thumim and Urim, their future is a lake of fire. In a certain form, but we have already examined the first five properties of a worshiper of God, through whom God could continually express and fulfill His will on planet Earth. We have stopped to examine the sixth component of a worshiper, expressed on the breastplate of judgment of our heart in the virtue of the precious diamond stone. The sixth name on the second row from the bottom that was engraved on the precious stone of the breastplate of judgment on the tablets of our heart was the name of the sixth son of Jacob, Naphtali meaning wrestler. And then Rachel's maid, Bilhah, conceived again and bore Jacob a second son. Then Rachel said, With great wrestlings I have wrestled with my sister, and indeed I have prevailed. So she called his name Naphtali. 
We have noted that diamond is an adamant stone. The word adamant does not have a relation to any other stone beside diamond. It is also a gem that is cut no other way than like a diamond cut. This is the most expensive precious stone. That's why the name of God in the precious diamond stone, according to Jewish rabbis in Hebrew, means El Hai, which translated to Russian means living God. El is God and Hai is living. Therefore, according to the meaning of the name Naphtali and the precious diamond stone, we note that the function of the sixth principle laid as the foundation of our constant prayer with which we need to serve as a continual memorial before God. This is our ability to allow the Holy Spirit to be with us in prayer battle against the powers of darkness that go against us fulfilling the will of God, the name of the living God. But the Lord is a true God. He is a living God and the everlasting King. At His wrath, the earth will tremble in the nation will not be able to endure his indignation. Jeremiah 10.10. We have noted that the name of the living God was the format of an oath. In that category of the holy nation that did not learn how to swear by the living God and swore to him falsely, they were headed toward total annihilation. Jeremiah 12.16.17. And it shall be, if they will learn carefully the ways of my people to swear by my name as the Lord lives, as they taught my people to swear by Baal, then they shall be established in the midst of my people. But if they do not obey, I will utterly pluck up and destroy that nation, says the Lord. And so, in order to not be eradicated and destroyed by the wrath of the living God, it is necessary to be taught the ways of the nation of God to swear by the name of God, El Hai, or Living God. And these paths are the paths of the commandments and statutes of God, the condition that gives the right to be taught the paths and statutes so that we can hear, swear, by the name of the living God is the desire of their knowledge. Psalms 119.32-35 and there are many places of scripture like this. I will run the course of your commandments for you shall enlarge my heart. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes and I shall keep it to the end. Give me understanding and I shall keep your law. Indeed, I shall observe it with my whole heart. Make me walk in the path of your commandments for I delight in it. You see, it is impossible with our mind. Although he was a king, a prophet, he could not understand with his mind the commandments of God. So he wanted through Urim and Thummim these commandments to be unveiled to him. It is interesting that the word living, defining the word, defining our living God, El Hai, living means dwelling, great, unlimited in power, determining our being, creator of being, containing our being, preserving our being, overlooking over our being, and the Lord of our being. You shall fear the Lord your God, you shall serve him, and to him you shall not hold fast, and take oaths in his name. He is your praise, and he is your God, who has done for you these great and awesome things which your eyes have seen. Deuteronomy 10, 20-21 we know that the result of taking an oath in the name of the living God always meant the fulfillment of the promise for which we made an oath unto God. The power of a warrior of prayer that is contained in the virtue of the name of the living God are called to represent the limitless authority of God over our being and in the time and limits 
allotted to us. We will need to define what purpose is God pursuing when he calls his children to become warriors of prayer, as well as how and under what conditions can God give a person the right to become a warrior of prayer so that a person could represent the interests of God in the realization of his inheritance in God? According to scripture, being a warrior of prayer is a legitimate and a privileged inheritance of saints of all time. Second, this is their original purpose expressed in their calling to trample the wickedness of the wicked in prayer battle. And third, this is one of the greatest provisions that is given by God to man in which a person becomes a king and priest unto God and is seen by God as a diamond with the engraving of the name Naphtali. By not being a king and priest unto God, in the virtue of which a person could rule his emotional organ with his informational organ, it is impossible to be a warrior of prayer. Those who are led by emotions and those who define the presence of God by their emotions, these are not warriors of prayer. They are very far from worship. Although they might bow their knees, this doesn't mean that God doesn't hear them completely. He doesn't hear them as kings and priests. He hears them as Hagar, the maidservant, and only because Abraham had asked God to bless Ishmael. And then he allowed Hagar to see the water so that she did not die in the wilderness. That's why we must also note this. The prayer of a warrior of prayer is a kind of sacred and valued mystery that has an unearthly origin. Therefore, it is inaccessible if it tries to be mastered through earthly ways. On numerous occasions, we have noted that the genesis of prayer is a genesis of God. Therefore, the genesis of prayer, just as the genesis of God, has no beginning and no end. Prayer is the tongue of God identifying the essence of God and yielding the word of God that defines the genesis of God. Therefore, prayer was also the mystery of God as well as dwelled in the presence of God as his golden scepter of grace, which he stretched out only on the one who sought his face and to do his will. Whoever dared to come to him on their own conditions, without being called into his presence, led his golden scepter of goodwill to not stretch upon that person. And so the prayer of this kind of person was not heard by God. Because Terubim was not called in the presence of God to represent priesthood, to be an intercessor. But he wanted this. He wanted to take this place of this ruler. That's why he was cast out and who was called, as it is written. Now we know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, he hears him, John 9.31. So, the cherubim that had fell, he did not respect God. He 
had gathered the riches for himself. So today, many different people try to build their image according to sermons of evangelism of the gospel. Not they do not gather the riches in God, but they build their own riches, and they try to make themselves so famous, so well known. In this famousness, they begin to walk differently, speak differently, but inside it, it's completely empty and different and different vile. God becomes an initiator of prayer when a warrior of prayer in the virtue of his worshiper begins to pray according to his will. Because the right to draw near and stand before God in prayer is God's prerogative. No one himself will be able to draw near or come to God who abides in his inaccessible light. Jeremiah 30, 21-22 Their nobles shall be from among them, and their governors shall come from their midst. Then I will cause him to draw near, and he shall approach me. For who is this who pledged his heart to approach me, says the Lord? You shall be my people, and I will be your God. Because you will have a ruler who will stand before, you will have somebody who will stand before my face. According to this prophetic revelation, we know that drawing near and coming to God can be done by only one ruler who will rise from the seed of the nation of Abraham. This is the Son of God in the status of the Son of Man, in whom all who are born of God, who search for God, could draw near to God in Him and through Him. This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. 1 Timothy 1.18 And to build a system that will help us understand the tongue of God in the signs and nature of a continual prayer that yields the status of a warrior of prayer that could be founded on certain concrete commands from God to give a person the legal right to swear by the name of the living God. According to Scripture, our prayer and the quality of a warrior of prayer yielded by the virtues of a diamond are supposed to be one, unceasing or continual, second, perseverant, third, diligent, fourth, with boldness, five, reverential, six, with showing faith to God, with thanksgiving, with joy, in the fear of the Lord, and in the Holy Spirit of my prayer in tongues. We have noted that each of the ten components of prayer are located in one another, come from one another, strengthen one another, fill one another, and define the truth of one another. In other words, in each of the ten components, there exists a balance of the other nine components. And therefore, the truth of each component is verified by the presence of the other components, which in combination create a wonderful balance. However, each of the ten components has a, its own taste, color, scent, and character that only belongs to that component, and it has its own face, its own use, and its own intended purpose. In a certain format, we have already looked at the first five components as a part of the nature of prayer in the state of a warrior of prayer. 
We have stopped to examine the sixth component that yields the heart of a warrior of prayer. This is faith. Faith has a virtue and atmosphere of our reborn spirit related to the state of one of the heart of the one who prays that is called to be present in all that man does in the perseverance of his soul. Continual prayer is something that, it, that is unearthly in origin, although it is performed in time, is located outside of time, and rules over time. To better understand the meaning of the element of faith, we will take four aspects to define the essence contained in the properties of faith to see the necessity of its presence in our prayer life with God. This is the definition and purpose of faith, the price for gaining faith, third, keeping and cultivating faith, and fourth, finally, fruit and reward in the fruit of faith. Before I will once again remind you of the antonyms of those characteristics of prayer that have become the subject of our study. Because by looking at the antonym, we will better understand the property and characteristics of that particular component of prayer. The antonym of unceasing is unfaithful or not continual. The antonym for perseverant is resistance. Antonym for diligent is lazy. Antonym for boldness is audacity. Antonym for reverence is to neglect or hate. Antonym for the faith of God is unfaithfulness or rejecting the faith of God. But to the wicked God says, right ha What right have you to declare my statutes or take my covenant in your mouth, seeing you hate destruction and cast my words behind you? Psalms 50, 16, 17. And so, the sixth sign of a warrior of prayer is the faith of a warrior of prayer that is founded on hearing the words of God that come from the mouth of God through the messengers of God who are clothed in the powers of the Holy Spirit to be the mouth of God. And the Lord God of their fathers sent warnings to them by his messengers, rising up early and sending them because he had a compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. But they mocked the messengers of God, despised his words, and scoffed at his prophets until the wrath of the Lord arose against his people, till there was no remedy. Second Chronicles 36, 15, 16. We see that prophets as the characters of Rimenthamim, when they had were mocked against and God has stepped in for them and he sent wrath upon those people who mocked them and these people did not have salvation. The definition of the essence and purpose contained in the word faith we will see further in how it is directly dependent on our obedience to the will of God. The lack of faith in prayer is appraised in scripture as hardness of the heart and disobedience toward the will of God which is yielded by opposition to God. We noted one of the phrases of the Son of Man that is the foundation of our study of the chief cornerstone that defined the status of our faith in the relation to the status of the faith of God. For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Mark 11.23 Accepting the faith of God in our heart and the seed of the gospel word of the truth, the faith of God becomes our faith. And furthermore, according to this command, we noted that we are called to and must cast those mountains into sea that are on the path of us fulfilling the will of God and that are in the boundaries of our responsibility. They stand, again, they stand against us and not someone else. The key phrase of this verse is yielded in the format of the word have, 
In Scripture, this word in relation to the faith of God contains a wide semantic and is basically taken out of military lexicon. That's why it sounds not like an offer or an alternative to something, but like a military order in the command of the commander and fulfiller of the faith of God. That's why the command to have the faith of God is fortified into an unchanging commandment, non-compliance of which will not allow us to please God. That's why this commandment for us is a necessity. As it is written, but without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Hebrews 11.6 In this manner, it is necessary to trust God in his words and to search for God in his word and in our spirit. This is the work of our faith with the faith of God. On the other hand, it is pleasing to God. The phrase, have faith in Hebrew, means, have, I again will mention this list, because this is our last um, sermon about this topic. We will then turn to the next component of prayer. Have before you a list of the characteristics of God. Rewrite the list of perspectives of God's faith in your heart. Continually study the meaning of the faith of God. Meditate upon its components. Focus your attention on it. Declare its advantages. Show it in your deeds. Be awake and stand guard of its interests. Protect it as the pupil of an eye. Love its essence. Humble yourself before its commandments. Revere in its presence. Be bold with it in prayer. Own it as your own property. Keep it in all of its fullness. Pay the price of discipleship for the knowledge of it. Take the time to take it into ownership. Use it in all aspects of your life. Cultivate its effect in all aspects of your life. Eat of it as the bread of life and drink it as the water of life. Demonstrate patience in waiting its revelation. Make a decision to walk its paths. Prepare to fulfill its commands with rigorously. Strive forward to its honors and its titles. Use your energy to own it as if it were your own. Fight for its life to be the ruler of your life. Never turn backwards to its words. Never turn backwards to its words. Concerning this multifunctional functional and manifold list, we see that this list is directly tied to the command, have the faith of God. We will need to remember again and again that first, we must always bring to our memory the knowledge we already have about how to awake our pure thinking to be, keep it constantly working. Second, we must strengthen, deepen, and widen these knowledges in our walk in the faith of God. And for this purpose, in a certain format, we have already studied the first three questions and have stopped to study the fourth question. What results will we see in the faith of man working together with the faith of God? 
Further, earlier we have already mentioned that the result of us keeping our faith in the faith of God will be our state of subdued kingdoms, practice righteousness, gain what was promised, shut the mouths of lions, quench the fury of the flames, escape the edge of the sword, weakness turning into strength, powerful in battle, reroute foreign air armies, receive back the dead, endure torture, face chains and imprisonment, go about in sheepskins and goatskins, be persecuted, and wander in deserts and mountains. This is written in Hebrews 11.33-38. According to the above words, the results of our walk in the faith of God are expressed in the results of our trust on God. We see here seven components. First, the result of us keeping our faith in the faith of God, we will be able to conquer the world that withstands us. Second, the result of us keeping our faith in the faith of God, we will be able to know God in His Word. Third, the result of us keeping our faith in the faith of God will be able to make, we will be able to make a favorable risk. Fourth, the result of us keeping our faith in the faith of God, we will be able to walk unknown paths. Five, the result of us keeping our faith in the faith of God, we will be able to momentarily react to the voice of God. Sixth, the result of us keeping our faith in the faith of God, we will be able to distinguish the voice of God in the person whom God has placed over us and follow the voice of God in this person. And seven, the result of us keeping our faith in the faith of God, we will be able to bring fruit out of our spirit. And to study these signs that will define our walk in the faith of God, by which we could test ourselves, again, to test ourselves and not our neighbors. Because this happens very often. Are we showing our obedience to the messengers of God or not? As it is written, examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you are disqualified. 2 Corinthians 13.5 To test the level of the walk of our faith in the faith of God, we need certain criteria of truth that defines the level of the work of our faith with the faith of God or the level of our dedication and obedience to the words of God. But before that, I would like to mention a small commentary, one taken from Scripture that is often accepted and interpreted as the definition of our walk in the faith of God, but is actually not so. Mark 16, 17-18 And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, they will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. The signs that are intended to accompany a believer are not a definition of his walk in the faith of God, but a definition of the manifestation of the power of the Holy Spirit expressed in the release and use of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I want you to understand that this place does not describe our walk in the faith of God, it defines that you 
are and you use the gifts of the Holy Spirit, you must understand that the signs that are intended to accompany a believer are not a definition of his walk in the faith of God, but a definition of the manifestation of the power of the Holy Spirit expressed in the release and use of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Practicing gifts of the Holy Spirit is called to be a benefit to those who surround us. Gifts are given for the benefit of the church. We need to have the ability to bring fruits as well as the practice of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We must understand that all on a priority scale, walking in the faith of God in faithfulness and holiness of truth is supposed to be our number one priority compared to the practice of using gifts of the Holy Spirit. For what profit is it to man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? So you might show that you can heal the sick, you can bring, take a snake, but what is this profit to you? You are doing this for somebody. This is not walking in faith. Oftentimes, the reason why we need healing, and we know this very well, because of the inheritance of sin, or because of a sin committed due to our ignorance or our ambitions, the reason for illnesses. Oftentimes, people who pray for healing, they do not worry to, um, to take away the reason. They ask, please pray for me, I am sick. But we need to define why are you sick or why are you ill? Because if we do not take away the reason for this illness, then the gifts of the Holy Spirit will be a forgery. It will occur, but it will not be from the Holy Spirit. It will be from a seductress. It may lessen the pain while giving the illness the ability to progress and expand, as well as the sin to progress and expand until our departure from this earth, our spiritual death. So walking in faith is true medicine, which through crucifixion in Christ is called to free us from the reasons for our illness, which is our sinful nature that leads us to commit sin. According to Scripture, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are called to free us from the result of sin. That is expressed in all kinds of illnesses. Truth is intended to free us from the sin that is contained in the teaching of the blood and cross of Christ. Whereas the truth in the teaching of the cross of Christ is intended to free us from the factory of sin that is our sinful nature. You see, not the gifts of the Holy Spirit in using the gifts free a person from sin and the factory of sin, but the blood of the cross of Christ. In this manner, gifts of the Holy Spirit are only good and satisfying when at the head of their use is the truth of the blood of the cross of Christ and the truth of the cross of Christ. Those who have placed the level of their faith in the level of their spiritual growth dependent on the gifts of the Spirit fell as bones in the desert. They did not wait for the fulfillment of the promise given to them by God to inherit the land in which milk and honey flows. And so, the first sign that defines our walk in the faith of God will be the reward and the ability of our faith to overcome the world. 1 John 5, 4-5 For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? 
And so to overcome the hostile world, the faith of our heart must define the faith, the weapons of this world with which the world fights against us in our hearts. We must take these weapons away in this, and in this manner deprive the world of its power. Take a look, Luke 11, 21 through 22. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own palace, his goods are in peace. But when a stronger than he comes upon him and overcomes him, he takes from him all his armor in which he trusted and divides his spoils. Stronger with his weapons is this world. He has a strong weapon, but even a stronger comes and he comes upon him and overcomes him. And he takes his armor in which he trusted and then he divides his spoils. He kidnaps us. He takes this armor that the world kept upon us. He takes this weapon and he... He takes us away. He does not do this without us. He does this with us. Our faith must work with his faith. His faith will tell us what to do and we are supposed to obey. We are supposed to know this weapon and what kind of weapon we are fighting against. So the weapon that this world has hope in and goes against us within our heart is a wicked triad. Triad are three organized, demonic ranks that is passed down to us through the sinful seed of our fathers in the flesh that define the essence of our sinful nature expressed in lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and a worldly pride. This is the unclean or the wicked pride. Lust of the flesh, lusts of the eyes, and a worldly pride. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not the Father, but is of the is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away in the lust of it, but one who does the will of God abides forever. So your lust, your desires, they are temporary, they are not eternal. That is why don't try to play around with them and don't try to feed them. Don't look do not eat your do not feed your lust because today more than ever we've had temptation the world uses a unique method of weapon these are televisions computers and all kinds through which phones children small children teens could go into dangerous zones and look at pornography and other scary things that momentarily take them into captivity stronger than drugs or alcohol and they want to be freed from this and they can't they have the desire to look at this pornography and they at the same time they are struggling and suffering from this psychologists say that those who look at pornography they become impotent they stop they cannot receive an erection they have no libido it is lost and this is very dangerous 
This is the world. It represents everything, all kinds of programs. Look at what it does. Look at what the world does. In this manner, the world that our faith is supposed to overcome in cooperation with the faith of God is lust of flesh, lust of the eyes, and the worldly pride that we have inherited from the sinful life of our forefathers. And the hostile world is defined as, first, all sorts of scientific achievements, political movements, development of our culture, and all kinds of entertainment programs directed to excite, release, and satisfy our wicked triad, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the worldly pride. Second, the hostile world that our faith must conquer will challenge us in our sufferings that come from the source of the sinful life of our forefathers as well as the religious world that is set against us, which by nature is the ruler of the hostile world. The religious world reigns over political movements. Revelation 17, 1-5 Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and talked with me, saying to me, Come, I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters, with whom the kings of the earth committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth were made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast. Wilderness is the spiritual dimension. It is not just literal wilderness where there is nobody there. It is an image. And I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast, which, scarlet beast, a red animal, which was full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads of ten horns. The, this, the beast is the sin. Many think that this scarlet beast are communists. This is not the Soviet Union and not communist, but scripture says, if your sins are like scarlet, I will wipe them white as snow. That's why, that's why when scripture says scarlet beast, this does not mean something political. This is referring to sin, this beast of sin. This is referring to the fact that this beast, with full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns, the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls. The woman sat at this scarlet beast. She is directing it. And she is also dressed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls. To pay attention here, Theology is here because part gold and precious stones and pearls, these represent the riches of the, of the word of God that this woman takes and manipulates and directs or controls this beast. This is basically referring to a part of Europe, not just the whole world, but today the whole world represents this Western Europe because it is also guided by religious institutions. And, on, and in her hand was a golden cup full of abominations and the filthiness of her fornication. You see, the golden the cup was golden, represented the word of God. But she said that the word of God is tolerant, that this is allowed and this is allowed, and that you don't understand this correctly, you don't understand that correctly. 
On her forehead was written Mystery Babylon the Great. We know the Babylon is the mixing of humanly with godly. The mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. Revelation 17, 1 through 5. In this manner, those who mix godly with humanly, they are in this category of this woman who has sat on the scarlet beast, this political beast, and who, who guides it. Furthermore, if we read in Revelations, then there will come a time when the beast begins to hate this woman, and he will throw her out and he will destroy her. This will occur when the Antichrist will come to power. He hates Christianity. He hates Islam. He hates Buddhism. Although all of this comes from him. Buddhism, Islam, he hates all of these religions. He wants him to be directly bowed, not to Buddha and not to Allah and not to Christ. That's why he hates, he will destroy all religions in Western Europe. And, and um, Islam, Buddhists, and they will all bow to him. This is what this scripture is referring to. And God said, I will, I will, he not only will destroy her, he's going to destroy them and their blood will spill. And he will destroy them with swords and fire. Publicly, they will be martyrs because they will go against his religion. He will say, I am God, worship me. But Muslims will say, we are waiting for Muhammad when he will resurrect and come in Mecca or wherever they are waiting for him. Christians also wait for Christ that he is coming soon. Furthermore, each religion, Jews also wait for the Messiah that he is going to come to them. And he hates all of this. He hates Jews. He wants to make himself God. That's why we must fully understand that the cooperation of our faith with the faith of God in the field of the cross of Christ, the world dies for us and loses its power over us as well as the ability to excite and release in us the genetic program of sin and we, therefore, die for the world. So when we are working with the program of the cross, we must separate from what is unclean. We must separate ourselves. We must look only at those things that are holy. Only then, God, Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, will destroy in us these emotions, and you will be made free. If you right now are suffering in your desires, your conscience is judging you, but when you begin to fast, not water and drinking water, but not looking at certain information. I remember one time I wanted to help my youth and I said, let's fast, I will fast along with you. 40 days, don't open your computer, don't go there. One mother came up to me and said, but allow them because I need through the computer to do something. She didn't even understand what she is doing, that he is supposed to get ready to not look as how he is already used to it. We need to help him. This is very scary. Those who are already married, Christians, come to me and say that they are watching pornography like drugs. They can't be separate. To separate and they ask, Pastor, what do I do? I can't. 
they have this, this desire, this need for it. They, are, they don't want this. As a drug addict, he comes and says, I don't know, I can't live without drugs. I can't live without alcohol. And they can't without this without this pornography. And the cross of Christ will help. First, we, you must fast. Fast will help in this case. Do not look, do not listen, turn off. This is what Apostle Paul says in Galatians 6.14. But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. So when this occurs, when this crucifixion occurs, then there is complete silence. Then you do not go and you're not curious. If you see this on accident, it doesn't, it doesn't affect you in any way. It is completely dead to you. The same way to a dead person who has died from alcohol, and in his blood, alcohol still remains, if you place before him the most expensive wine, he will not react to this wine. Same way here, you will not react. God will bring you to this. I have felt this myself to many things that excited me. I have died and literally died for these things. I said, if God could do this in us, in me, why can't he do it in you? I, I do not suffer or struggle with that. And I do not have the desire. I have the desire only to look at, go deeper into the depths of God. I constantly... This is my, this is my curiosity. This is what my curiosity is in, which is not, it is not a sin. It is, it is, not, it is healthy to think. What does God mean when He said this? What does this mean? What will be further? What is God going to do with us? How is all this going to occur? How is our spiritual growth going to occur? This is the first sign that we have read. We will receive a reward. This is the result that we are walking in the faith of God. It will be in that we will be able to overcome the world in its triad, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the worldly pride. The second sign that defines our walk in the faith of God will be the reward for the ability of our faith to know God and His Word by accepting the Holy Spirit in our heart as the Lord and ruler of our life. We cannot know the Word of God without the Holy Spirit in the quality of the Lord or in the status of the Lord and ruler of our life. As a guest, he will not reveal anything to us and he will never lead us anywhere. He will lead us as a master if we agree to leave our nation, our household, as Rebecca had done. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. 1 Corinthians 2.12, pay attention here. If we accept the Holy Spirit, we will have knowledge from God. We will not to need to, to really focus our intellect. Our intellect will be at peace because these revelations, revelations of God will come pouring. Our intellect will allow our heart to receive it. A renewed mind, being a prince, will not be able to walk into a sanctuary. He will just bow his head 
before his new man, who is a priest, and he carries his prayer to God. The priest bows at the doorstep, door as we have talked about. must know that the knowledge given to us by God could be received by us under one condition, when we accept the Holy Spirit not as a valued guest, but as the Lord and ruler of our life which we dedicate our time to Sunday as well as Friday. Because knowledge gifted to us by God is the ability to live in God, live by God, and live for God. This kind of state of our heart will allow the Holy Spirit to dwell in us and expand in us according to our calling, creating in our heart the atmosphere of the kingdom of heaven. The atmosphere of the kingdom of heaven in our heart is absolute protection from the penetration of all kinds of curses expressed in twisted thoughts, in thoughts that try to twist the word of God to benefit the flesh. In the atmosphere of the kingdom of heaven that abides in our heart in the time allotted to us by God, the Holy Spirit can fulfill all of our pure desires that are yielded by the promises of God. Because in the atmosphere of the kingdom of heaven, a person knows the will of God and is carried away by the will of God, because of which he intercedes before God so that God could help him fulfill this will. 1 John 5, 14-15 Now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. So, we know that when we ask, we know that he has given it, we have received it, and now it is with us. And we know this not based on our feelings, but our informational organ knows this. That's why you cannot, based on emotions, know. People say, I'm scared to go there, pray for me, I'm scared to go there. But when your informational organ rules over your emotional organ, you receive revelation in your informational organ then your emotions, they still tremble. But you're supposed to carry your emotions and say, do not tremble, the Lord is with us. I don't know how this will occur. I will enter here right now and the doors will be opened. Not long ago, I spoke to one man, and he is a member, and he said to me, I have poor eyes. If the time has come, and I, my eyes are checked, I will not have driving privileges, and I won't be able to drive anywhere. Who's going to drive me? And when he told me this, in my spirit, I had heard to tell him, you will pass. He says, I don't know how, but I believe, but I trembled. And then he called me, and he was crying. He said, a miracle has occurred. He came so that, he came so that the doctor could look, and the doctor said, you are set to go. And he received new driving privileges. He said, something so great happened. He said, my emotions trembled all the way to the end, but inside I remembered the word, you will pass. This is information. It is not tied to our feelings. Our feelings don't have a brain. That's why they do not hear, they do not understand. This is what our heart hears, our heart understands. 
Это очень прекрасно. This is very wonderful. Когда мы знаем, что мы получаем, when we know that we receive and God hears us, the third sign that defines our walk in the faith of God will be the reward of being bold and fighting the feet of faith so that we can walk to fulfill the will of God at a noble risk. First Thessalonians 2, 2-4 even after we had suffered before and were spitefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we were bold in our God to speak to you the gospel of God in much conflict. For our exhortation did not come from error or uncleanness, nor was it in deceit, but as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the, the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God who tests our hearts. Noble risk means to expose oneself to danger for the sake of a noble purpose expressed in the interests of the will of God. So take a look at how people bring themselves to danger when they have faith and trust in God. Daniel 3, 17-18 If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. They walked and they, they walked into danger. They didn't have a revelation that they will be left alive. But they had demonstrated a noble risk, and they said, if we will die, we will die in faith, as we read on further. Not only be victorious the fiery furnace, we always want to be victorious over the power of fire, but we are also given faith to be to be persecuted for the word of God. And here we need faith to stand because many are broken. Do you remember the proverb of Christ? When, when a seed falls into a rocky, the seed comes up, but as soon as there is calam as soon as there is suffering, people can't stand. To expose ourselves to danger for the sake of fulfilling the will of God is always a noble risk that is a feat of death. One other place of scripture, I think each of you could have a personal testimony when you have placed yourself at a noble risk and God has done something for you. Go gather all the Jews, Esther had said, who are present in Shushan and fast for me. Neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will fast likewise, and so I will go to the king, which is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. So, a noble risk. This is to walk toward death. This is to be ready that you might be taking everything away from you, have everything taken away from you because you will fight for the truth of God. When you go toward this risk, either you die in faith, or you, in faith, you come out of the situation. But Apostle says in a different place of Scripture, it doesn't matter to me if whether or not this is in death or this is in life, because victory doesn't mean everything is how God has predetermined it to be. But the body still trembles, but you are leading your body and you say, but I have already placed you on an altar as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And if I must die physically, may it be the will of God. And you walk toward a noble risk. The fourth sign that defines our walk in the faith of God will be the reward that gives our faith the ability to follow after the Holy Spirit through unknown paths which will test our faithfulness to God. 
You see, when the path is known to us, we don't need to believe it and we don't need to trust. You know the path. But when the path is unknown, then we must trust. Hebrews 11.8 By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he could receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. He was never there. He did not know this country. He did not know if this is going to be better in Mesopotamia, which he had left, or will this be worse? And when you go there, many people, many of the wicked who go to Israel, they only say, and people had said that there was such beauty here. So the wicked who left us, this is how he had spoken of Israel. And I didn't know. I sent him there and I paid for his plane ticket. I thought he was going to uphold the church there. But when Sasha came, he said, Pastor, please don't send him to us again. I said, I thought, why? What's, what's wrong? He said, he stood by a garbage can and he said, take a picture of me, I will show you what Israel is. I asked him, why are you mocking us? He said, oh, you're a Jewish, you're Jewish soul. And he mocked us, scoffed. And we endured all of this. But can you imagine here, those anti-Semites who hate Jews, where Abraham had walked, where Jesus was born. Because when Abraham went there, it wasn't in the beauty. So Lot had chosen the most beautiful. But Abraham, I understand that there is better nature somewhere. But today, the most beautiful... I've I've been to Sodom and Gomorrah. 50 degrees Celsius is the kind of heat there. It is a, a, the Dead Sea that is there. And that's it. This place is so cursed, but before it was like the Garden of Eden. And when I went to Israel for the first time, everything trembled from astonishment, from trembling that the Lord had walked on this land, the apostles. Everything was made here. This was where Abraham was. And I, with trembling, with so valued it, and I loved it all. And all these Jews that, according to their culture, are they do not understand what a line is. If you want to receive something, you won't receive anything. They will also go ahead of you, and you will be left. They walk before you and they don't even pay attention to you when they saw that I was standing there they said to me young man this is this is how we are please accept us the way we are and do what we do otherwise you will be left hungry we wanted to walk to a restaurant and I had come up and said they will turn to me and I will say something but people came up ahead of me this is the kind of order that they have for now. But nothing still, I still loved it all. And I was still ready to pray for them, whatever they may have done. And I loved them, I continued to love them. Why? Because I am Jewish in my spirit. I am, I am Hebrew. Excuse me, I'm in Israel, I'm a Hebrew. By faith, Abraham walked to the land that he walked the inheritance and he did not know where he was going. Exodus 13, 31. 
And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead the way, by night in a pillar of fire to give them light. They do not know where to go. For God leads us unknown paths, and we do not know where He is going to lead us. I am referring to this path until he leads us to heaven. This path, we do not know it. Sometimes we think this will be so, and sometimes someone might die. Sometimes you might crash your car, or we will be fired. God has allowed this to happen. God has allowed this to happen. God has allowed for this illness to come upon you. He just wants to see, are you going to trust him in this state? Acts 20, And see, now I go abound in the spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there. He was placed into prison, and he sat in prison. And in the end, his head was destroyed in Rome. This is how God had taken this apostle. But he said, I go. Faith is a reward. When we are in the faith of God, we will have the reward that we will be able to walk unknown paths. The fifth sign that defines our faith in the faith of God will be the reward for the ability of our faith to react to the voice of God in order to fulfill the word that was said. Genesis 1, 1 through 3. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. Here, this shows how the Holy Spirit reacts to the voice of God. So, in order to immediately react, we need to tremble, to await, to activate God for Him to say this word. And when the Holy Spirit trembled and was ready to fulfill, when God sees that you are going to fulfill, then only then he will say his word. Many things that we would like to know, we are curious, but if we're not ready to pay the price, he will not reveal them to us. Only when a person is ready to pay the price, God unveils his revelation then, because he knows that you are going to fulfill what he's going to say. Why is he going to fulfill to you that which you will not fulfill? This is a reward in itself to immediately react to the voice of God to be ready to fulfill what was said. Luke 21, 36 Watch therefore and pray always that may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. This is referring to be awake, be ready to fulfill the will of God. Only by fulfilling the will of God we will be freed from future, from future afflictions. Apostle Paul had also wrote in 1 Peter, but the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. Being wakeful, awake in prayer means the ability to fulfill what is said. The sixth sign that defines our walk in the faith of God will be the reward expressed in our ability to know and be led by the voice of the Holy Spirit and the voice of the person who was sent by God. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God, Romans 8.14. The Holy Spirit does not lead a person directly to the Holy Spirit, but through a different person. 
If a person does not distinguish the voice of the Holy Spirit from the voice of his flesh and other voices, he cannot be led by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, this person cannot only not be a carrier of the interests of God, but he also cannot be the Son of God. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hears his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. They they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Christ had said, As the Father sent me, I sent you. Now this voice, the voice of Jesus, will be in the voice of those people whom God has sent. And we need to understand this voice, to understand it, to accept it, and to follow it, and to distinguish it from foreign voices. If a person does not use the time allotted to him by God to comprehend how to reject evil and choose good, then however earnest desire to serve God may be, he will follow other voices against God and will therefore be put to death. A Christ of Christ has said, Curds and honey you shall eat, that he may know to refuse the evil and choose the good. Isaiah 7.15 you see, he was supposed to study. Curds and honey is not the product that we make, but someone makes. In order to eat from this product, we need to pay for it. We need to study. We need to accept not only the words, but also the messenger. It is impossible to accept the words, but not accept the messenger. Devil, as a wonderful strategist in the field of seduction, knows that if he is able to convince a person to eat one form of food from the food that is necessary to follow the voice of God, he has obtained a sweet victory. So he will, he will make a bet either on curds or honey. These are different kinds of revelations. Because milk, honey, is wild when God opens in your heart. But milk is when you are listening when you are heating. These are different kinds of revelations. Those who are focused only on one, if you would only be on milk, curds, you will be dry and dead. If you have only honey on prophecies, then you will fall into seduction because you will not know the teaching. We need one and the other. But devil tries to focus man either on one or the other. We have large denominations. Baptists, they focus on the word of God. Pentecostals, prophecies, the word of they say, they don't look at the word of God, they say, as long as God speaks. Here they have one lack and the others have another lack. In this manner, a person begins to prefer one truth over another if he doesn't have a balance. And considering that our time is almost done, I will go on to the seventh and I will talk about it. The seventh sign that defines our walk in the faith of God will be the reward expressed in the ability of our faith to grow fruit of the Spirit in the soil of the heart and to bring it to God. Matthew 13, 23. But he who received seed on the good ground is he who enters the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. The good soil of the heart defines our walk in the faith of God. The unclean soil of our heart defines our walk in the flesh. 
The characteristics of these soils are presented well in Galatians 5, 19-23. And the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, Sorcery is also disobedience. I have my own head, or I don't, or I don't agree with this. This is what sorcery is. Jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. This is not a good soil. Of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in the time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So you can tell them anything. If they have these acts, they have. They might have the outward appearance of godliness. They lie to themselves. They forgive themselves. And outwardly, they show appearance of godliness. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. So walking in the faith of God will give us the ability to bring fruit of the Spirit. Amen. May we bow our heads, whoever can, their knees, and will pray and thank God for that word that we were able to have today. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for the word of faith that with which you have shown us today. What riches a person will have if he begins to obey to your faith, to your word when his faith is expressed in his obedience to your word he will react with your word to the word of God and he will react to it this person will be like a tree planted in the rivers of water he will grow in him the tree of life he will become you will have Urim and Thummim. You will speak with him, and he will answer you, and you will answer him. May your nation be blessed before your face, who hears these words and accepts them in his heart. May your word find a place in their heart, and that may it be rest. May there be no nests in the heart in which evil thoughts could live so that you could incline your head and rest in the heart of your people because you also rest in the heart of a person who immediately reacts to your voice who is ready to walk at a noble risk who is ready to walk unknown paths with you May your inheritance be blessed before your face in this wonderful faith of yours in which he humbles himself to the faith of God. May your mercy be blessed in your healing, in your light, in your power for your people. Heavenly Father, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. 
And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the hand of the devil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And now, we will proclaim our unchanging manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.